we're talking about oaths and we're talking about swearing and we see these particular scriptures where Jesus speaks about don't take an oath, don't be swearing. And James says the same thing. There are people who would say that is what we are to do and we're never to take an oath or swear. Uh, one of those being uh, Minnow Simmons, who was an Anabaptist. Uh, you think of the Mennonites. And he insisted on refraining from taking oaths before legal authorities in the light of uh, the Lord's command, such as uh, what we have today. But I say to you, make no oath at all in Matthew 5.34. We have another um, one, uh, George Fox of the Quakers. Uh, The Society of Friends and the Quakers. Uh, He says that we should not take an oath. And he said this, You have given me a book here to kiss and to swear on, and this book which you have given me to kiss says, Kiss the Son. And the Son in this book swear not at all. Now, as I say, as this book says, and yet you imprison me, how chance you do not imprison the book for saying so? Well, that's an interesting quote. And so he's going along with what Scripture says. Or is he? What does Scripture say? It seems like there's some discrepancy in the Bible. Are there discrepancies? No. no. <laughs> Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Automatically we say no. We, we say, well, man, we have some difficulty with this, don't we? And yeah, we do. Because there are people that will not take an oath because of that. And uh, so, what do we do as Christians in, in this sense? Um, James' command has it right here. Uh, how about when you were a kid? And did you ever try to convince somebody that you were telling the truth when actually you weren't? Did, I mean, have you ever done that? Did you ever say, I swear to God? Did you guys ever say that? How about the one that says, I will swear on a stack of Bibles? It's just like one isn't good enough, and if you keep giving the more you have, the more truthful it's going to be, right? Um, nobody's going to admit that, but you've heard it before, right? <laughs> okay. Um, there we go. We've heard that, right? Um, how about this one? Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Is that what you guys said too? Did you ever say that when you were kids? You heard it, right? Okay. Now, if, if you were taught by your father who was biblical, he probably said, don't you ever say that. Did that happen to you, Luke? Did your dad ever say that? Don't you no, be saying that. Okay. He just, okay. just never gave up. Swearing about the truth. Um, what we're doing with that is we're getting a little bit closer to the meaning of what's happening here in James. Chapter 5, verse 12. These words go beyond taking oaths or vows and they deal with the issue of truthful speech. That's really what we're going to be dealing with today, the truthful speech. You know, there there are promises and uh, people want to make sure that people will believe their promises even though their promises may not come true. Or the one who's promising knows that it's not going to come true, but they say it anyway. And they'll say, I swear. I'm telling you the truth. Well, people do this thing because society is not used to hearing the truth or telling the truth. If you have noticed that recently. The truth is, thy word is truth. (laughs) And from what I gather, most people don't want to pay attention to God's word. 
uh, swearing, the oaths really are a device of man and it's based upon the basic dishonesty. That's really at the heart of the matter. Uh, we invent those oaths and even in some cases there are curses that are imposed upon ourselves before God. And if we lie, basically we have learned that man can't be trusted to keep his word. He, he just can't be trusted. Kind of interesting. Um, I am totally against the Masonic Lodge. And one of the reasons is is that they start off with an oath and they swear these oaths. But if you will look at what that oath uh, says, and it has curses in it, and I'm not even going to mention it here, it takes too much time, but it's really that they would die if they let any of their truths out. Now the thing is, if you really have truth and you have spiritual truth, we are to get it out, aren't we? We are to get the truth out so people will know. But the Masonic Lodge is nothing but a bunch of secrets. And in that secret, it's, it's talking about, hey, you kill me if I tell any of this. That's what they do right off the bat in, in entering the Masonic Lodge. Masonic Lodge, uh, by the way, if, if you didn't know, is, uh, is a cult. It's totally against Christianity. It all works. And uh, they wear their aprons, white aprons of their righteousness. Their right, not Christ's righteousness, their righteousness. Okay? We have a problem right off the bat with that. And there are thousands of other things that are in there. So I'm not purporting about them. I'm just saying that uh, if you ever get into a situation dealing with Masonic Lodge, you will know that that is an evil organization and it's something that Satan uses his, as his tool. Anyway. Um, that, the reason I said that is because they want to back up what they're saying with this kind of oath as they take oaths there. Uh, the truth is, is that we in our culture today are in a crisis, a crisis dealing with truth. Truth is not held in high esteem today. And the world contradicts what truth is about as they say that there is no such thing as truth dogmatically everybody has their own truths how could that be well you think of politicians especially in our time today you think not only politicians but contractors used car salesmen they're notorious for promising things that they know that they'll never deliver But it sounds good and you can get a vote or you'll get your sale made because you said it. What what happens down the road? They don't care. They just want to get what they can get now. And because of those kind of promises that are broken, it makes people leery whenever they hear of somebody giving a promise that might be true. They distrust people. And that's the fabric of our society today. Things are based upon lies or half-lies. You don't know what to believe. We have to unravel these things to see if it's really true. So you want to go and check it elsewhere to make sure what they're saying is, is right. Um, and really what we're getting at here is daily conversation. See, we're not just talking about saying an oath in court. That very rarely happens to any of us. But what we're talking about here, Curtis Bond says... The appeal here is for reverence and honesty in everyday conversation. The real test of our talk comes in our daily conversation. How we speak, what we say, the truth of it all. 
And that's really where our real test comes. And James has been dealing with tests all the way through uh, his five chapters, hasn't he? Uh, all of us face a daily demand of telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. If we could say that to ourselves all day long, we would be, we, I think we'd be more committed to truth or we'd think about it. But there is lying, there is deceit, duplicity. Uh, it's not truth that's being spoken of so much in our times. And that's what Christians are to be characterized by. Truth. We live by truth. We're saved by truth. We are living by truth. And through eternity, it will be all based on truth. Straight talk. That's what we want. I think there's been radio shows and books called Straight Talk. But that that says it, doesn't it? Straight talk. Um, Christians. I think have a radical, uh, radical demand upon them in far as their integrity is concerned in their conversations, in their speaking, what they're saying. And it's vital. It's very vital for us. So what we're going to do is consider James' instructions that he has for us today in this one verse, James 5, verse 12. Let's stand. Let's read this. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath. But your yes is to be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Father, truth. Truth is at a premium. It's at the height. Truth is your word. Truth is eternity. You are truth. Help us to gain a better respect for truth. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, James 5, verse 12. Just one verse today. One verse. It's enough. (laughs) Yeah. At first I was wondering, how am I going to do this? Where am I going to put this at? With the last section? With the next section? It seems like it doesn't even belong here. Well, I know better than that. You know better than that. It belongs there. There's a reason there. And um, by the way, you can say, well, listen, it seems like you've given me two contradictory things. We're never to swear, never to have oaths and such. And at the same time, you're saying that there are times that we can do that. We are to do it. What if you go into court and you say, well, the Bible says that I can't do this, so therefore what do I do? Well, I think we'll get that answer very clearly today as we look through Scriptures. And we'll look at uh, all the angles there. I think it'll be very helpful to us. But really, we're, we're talking about the issue of the tongue. Throughout James, have you noticed that there is an ongoing theme? The tongue. It's major. It's woven all throughout all five chapters. As a matter of fact, we see it here in as really a topic in every chapter. So we're going to review that just a little bit. We'll go back and check that out. James 1, verse 19. Easy to turn to here. Same book. This you know, my beloved brethren. But everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak. Be careful. Listen. Two ears and one mouth. (laughs) Really makes sense, doesn't it? Listen. And then if there's something that needs to be spoken, then speak based upon truth here. Um, So he does that in um, chapter... 
Same chapter, chapter 1, verse 21, uh, 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man religious is worthless. Remember that one? We covered that. Um, that means have a tight rein on that tongue. Be careful. Little tongue, what you say? <laughs> uh, I heard that song, and as I think about it, now, I was like, I'm going to be stuck on that all day. I hear a little theme here. Uh, chapter 2, verse 12. So speak, and so act as though who, those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. Speak according to the law of liberty, the law of love. Do that. James says that. Chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. I'm not going to read that whole section. It's where he starts off uh, with, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. Um, you go on down through there, and he ta- he's talking about how small the tongue is, and yet it has so much control. Uh, it, and, and it's like a rudder, you know, a very small rudder that can go. Uh, where maybe we shouldn't be going. Um, Verse 6, The tongue is fire, the very word of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. Now, that's radical, isn't it? That's about as harsh as a statement you can make, James. And then he gives... Uh, some illustrations, uh, beasts, creatures of the sea and such, and talking about you can't even tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and it's full of deadly poison. You bless the Lord and at the same time you can be cursing. Blessing and cursing at the same time. And so that's another verse dealing with the tongue. Chapter 4 of James We've gone through three chapters dealing with James 4, verse 11. Do not speak against one another, brethren. He who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. Now you're taking your hand as a judge over the Word of God if you do that, right? And then verse 13, Come now you who say, who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such city and spend a year there, engage in business, make a profit. They're saying these things without um, really uh, going to God, trusting Him in that, that situation. Uh, James 1, 2, 3, 4. We have it here in James 5. First Peter, the very next book, has a, really a great thought on this and he actually borrows from the Old Testament borrows from the Psalms and First Peter 3.10 he says this for the one who desires life you desire life right you want the abundant life right to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit deceitfulness A lying tongue. So if you want to have life, you want to live good days, don't be speaking evil. Don't be deceiving others. Really, you're deceiving who? Yourself. So, James 5, verse 12 says, But above all, 
above all. Why does James say above all? He's talking about restraining from swearing and taking oaths. And it seems like it's the most important thing that he's ever said in the whole book. (laughs) Or it's the most important statement in all the Bible. Above all, right? Uh, That probably doesn't mean it in that sense. Commentators differ on, on this thought. And they're all good commentators and they can say different things. Some relate it to the preceding context. Especially to what James has said throughout the letter about controlling the tongue. Some of those verses that we just looked at, he said, above all, okay. Don't be deceiving others with it here. Uh, some view it as summing up his whole line of thought on, on that subject, uh, subject of the tongue. Uh, truthful speech is the very foundation. It's the undergirding of everything else. Uh, some take it as a literary phrase, and it says it means finally or in conclusion of all of this that was brought forth. Douglas Moo says this. He, uh, James wants to highlight this prohibition probably because he sees it as getting at the ultimate issue of personal integrity. And that's kind of what we've been looking at in the book of James. I, I definitely think it's a command that has some priority here. I think it's a command that has a lot of preeminence. This, I, I can say this. Hey, this must be important. You remember sometimes James will say, listen. And I think he says, this is needed to be really examined. Think about this. True believers can be tested by their speech. If somebody says they're a believer and all they do is lie and they're caught in lies, everybody even knows they're lying and they continue to lie, you really have to question that character. Do they really have a new nature if that's what they all do? If that's what he does all the time? That's what he's about? It's a vital point of spiritual reality, isn't it? It's a vital point of spiritual control. It's a vital point of our spiritual state. Truth. The tongue. Above all, I think we could uh, translate it also, especially this. It's because he wants us to remember that the most revealing member in our body is what? The tongue. He has said it and said it. Chapter 3, chapter 4. There was 1 and 2, 3, 4, now 5 again. It must be really important, (laughs) this topic of the tongue. The reality of our spiritual state is actually manifested by what we say. Wow! Whatever comes from your insides is going to come out. It manifests. It shows, right? We sin more with our tongue than any other member of our body. What do you think of that? I think that's what James is saying. Now, I'm going to say this. Here is where it's difficult. He says, don't swear. He just says it. Do not swear. But yet throughout Scripture, we see where there is swearing, taking of oaths. When I say swear, I'll kind of come back because you're thinking cuss words. And we'll cover that for about, you know, maybe one minute. But the issue of oaths here is a major part of ancient life. At this time, they really knew what the doing with oaths was about. 
and they would bend the truth for personal advantage. <laughs> Can you imagine people doing that back then? What those terrible, evil people? <laughs> yeah. That's what one commentator says, and I and I go, I agree with him, but I'm going uh, back in the ancient time. <laughs> Boy, does it show here today, right? But. Just to take you back at the time of James, this is what he's experiencing. We can identify with this. People will bend the truth for their advantage. I hate to tell you Christians that. I know you never even thought of that at all. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, sure, Dennis. We know. Uh, Romans 3.13 says, With their tongues they keep deceiving. Romans 3 is about the depravity of man. You see, lying is a very major characteristic of the natural man. They will deceive. You know something? You do not have to teach a child to lie. Have you ever thought about that? No, you have to teach them to tell the truth because they're going to have the natural bend to lie. That's our nature. You will, some people say, no, they, they learn to lie. No, right off from the very bat. Very early on, they're going to be lying. You say, you know what? I'm a Christian and I lie sometimes and I really hate it. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because we we all really deal with this issue. Sometimes we just lie to ourselves. We're not lying to anybody else. We're lying to ourselves. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. The struggle. Yeah, let's get to it right now. What about the struggle? What about the struggle for the believers? Becoming a Christian, believe it or not, does not automatically produce truthful communication 99% of the time. You would, you would like to think that's what happens. What's that? We do well in the 1%. <laughs> yeah, you know, 1%. Now, hey, we're making it too true here. <laughs> that's what we, we, we battle with this, don't we? We are in a war. We're we're warriors, folks. The Bible is filled with exhortations to God's people to be truthful. Why does He get those exhortations to God's people? Because we still have a tendency to lie. Paul says that we should be speaking the truth in love. That's Ephesians chapter 4. A few verses later, and that's in 4.15. and 4.25, Paul says this, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, your Christians now, first three chapters, that's what it's all about. Here's your position in Christ. Here's how great it is. Here's how blessed it is. Isn't it super wonderful? Great. I love those three chapters. And chapter 4 says, Okay, you're a Christian. I want to tell you, here's what you, by that power, can now do. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. He says, speak truth. The Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter 3.10, which we read earlier, and it's out of Psalm 34.12. I want to read that again. The one who desires life to love and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So, I just don't want to assume that because we're Christians, we don't struggle with the fact that we can be deceptive. It's still there. Why? Because we are still in this flesh. I like to refer to it as being incarcerated. 
one of these days we leave this flesh and we enter glory no longer to sin, but we still have the capacity to sin, right? We all need to work at being truthful. Not work for salvation, but to work out our salvation and realize, I am not 100% truthful. That's a confession. Wow, I just said it for all to hear. I'm not 100% truthful. Here's a guy that's preaching the Word of God and I just said I'm not 100% truthful. You say, I wonder what other things that he's been lying about. I don't tend to do that. I, I, I don't want to do that. But that can happen and it will happen. It does happen. I cannot stand here and say I'm 100% truthful in everything I say. I hope when I'm preaching the Word of God and we're going to passages and using His Word that I'm, I don't have any deceit or any lying there whatsoever. And I pray hard for that. But at the same time, it's like this is the war. You say, boy, this, you know, all those other, you know, don't commit murder and don't be stealing and stuff, you know. <coughs> But this lying thing, I, I know, if I really look at it, it's, it's it, yeah, yeah, it's a little tough. It's there. It really it's home, doesn't it? We're deceptive in some ways. Okay, what does the Bible say about oaths? What does the Bible say about it? We, we've seen James uh, says, do not swear. It had become an issue in the church. Why had it become an issue in the church? Well, the word oath in the Hebrew uh, is... Shebu, shebua, it means to swear, take an oath. The Greek word, horkos, which means to bind or strengthen. The Greeks did it too. They swore, took oaths. Uh, in the Greek, it meant to strengthen your word by swearing. What you say, you want to strengthen it by putting a tag on it. By God. Right? People will say that. I'm going to do this. And, and it sounds very cursing and very rude when people use the next two words, by God. And we definitely could be referring to that. It's talking about some higher authority. What you're saying is not quite good enough for them to believe and then you bring in God on it. Right? Now that makes it truthful because of that. And you can say, if that doesn't happen, may He strike me dead right here. And so we're calling a curse for that to God to punish us if that be the case. I swear to God, man, I want you to know that I am telling you the truth. I've heard people say that before and they, they were lying and they knew it, but they still did that. But people would be more tending to believe what they said because they put those two words on there. I want God to witness I'm telling the truth. And I want God to punish me if I'm not. That's invoking a curse if we lie. I think it's really serious here if that's happening. In those days, they didn't quite have the contracts that they entered into business as we do. There weren't so many binding kinds of authority documents and the presence in courtrooms wasn't quite the availability as we have today. Everybody's suing everybody today, right? And so... It was very important, just like today, that people be trusted. They needed to be trusted back then, but people couldn't trust others because everybody was lying. 
So if a person said, hey, look, I promise you, uh, as you go away, I will hold your money. Whoa. I mean, that's a pretty big trusting thing here, isn't it? I will hold... Okay, And the guy says, boy, I hope you do it. I want you to swear to, if you're going to do that. Now, that's really what they were doing. These were Hebrew people, Jewish people. These are people who had become Christians or professing to be Christians. They were doing what they had been done before. And James here is saying, stop it. Stop that kind of swearing. Don't you do it. Uh, telling the truth, it was at an all-time low. What a man said could not be depended upon. Everybody's trying to sell us everything. And you know, half of that stuff is lies. <laughs> they just want to sell. But it makes validity when somebody gives an oath to this. So that's what they were doing. Um, Many other people would, as they came from Judaism, would say this. What was the most important city to them in Israel? Zion. Zion. Jerusalem. Right? What was the most important building in Zion? The temple. So if you say, by the temple, I promise you I will do this. He was using the temple as an oath. I tell you, such and such will happen by the temple of Jerusalem. So that's supposed to make the statement stronger. Remember, we're saying this word means to strengthen what you just said. The bad part of this is that the Pharisees, oh, they could take something and just twist it around and make it say what they want. What do they 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 call that spinning the truth today? Don't they? Pharisees were magicians at it. Stretching the truth. They had so learned to split hairs when it came to obedience to God's Word that it was still obeying God's Word. Well, Jesus came in and corrected that, didn't He? Woe to you, you Pharisees, blind guides, hypocrites. So they could get around the oaths. One could swear an oath by the temple, and as long as he didn't swear by the gold of the temple, it was okay. He really wasn't telling a lie because he didn't put the word gold in there. Yeah, but I didn't say gold, right? Are you getting the idea? This, this is what they're coming from. They could weasel out of anything like that. Or the same was true, they swear by the altar in the temple. And then they'd come back and say, no, no, no. I, I, I meant something else. It, I didn't say that it was the gift on the altar of the temple. And so therefore, it's okay. Pharisees, they, they taught the fine art of swearing. And people really kind of took to what they, they did too. They learned that. And so when some of these Jewish people became Christians, and many of them did, guess what they did? They brought some of their past life on into the church. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine people coming to the church and automatically doing things that they should know better? Such is us. That's why we teach the Bible all or every week. 
Because there are things in here we don't know and we want to conform to Christ. No, we don't have it all together. We really don't. But we forget what's in the past. And we look forward to the upward call in Jesus Christ as we run this race to get the prize. Right? As as we're here. So, but what he's saying, James saying, hey, stop that system that the Pharisees did, that all the other people are picking up. Those are all fake oaths. It's fake swearing. By the way, did you ever do this as a kid? <laughs> Cross your fingers. You tell something... But really, what you just said was a lie, but it's not a lie because you had your fingers crossed, and because of that, therefore, it really wasn't a lie. You neutralized it. it. (laughs) That's what the Pharisees did. Same thing. We We brought it right up to current times. Do they still do that today? They probably do something else. They still do that. Okay. We got it here. In 2016? Okay. Exodus 20, verse 7. Exodus, uh, the law. Exodus, the Ten Commandments. This is where you find the Ten Commandments. All right. Dennis, Exodus 20, verse 7. Here it goes. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. You say, when you take an oath, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, that sure could be. Definitely the command here says, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. That is true. Never take His name in an empty way. Never say His word in a way that, or even by words, words that sound like God or words that sound like Jesus. Gets pretty tar- uh, we, we kind of talked about this when we did our Exodus study. But it seemed like just yesterday, or a couple years ago. But it was back at the old building. Do you guys remember when we did the book of Exodus? Yeah. Or, or, or Leviticus, and then we cut... Or what, no, it was Exodus, yeah, right? Then, yeah, yeah, right. And then we crossed the river and came over here. And we crossed the river. <laughs> the Exodus, right. Just right at the same time. That's good. The, the Red Sea... Well, I'll tell you what. Exodus 20, verse 7 says, don't take the name of God in in vain. And that's true. Um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's a holy word. It's a reverent word. Don't ever use His word in a useless, vain, repetitious way. In a way that the world takes His name in vain. Constantly. I don't know about you, but man, it re- it's like an ugly, ugly, ugly attack upon our God every time I hear it. And you know what? It's TV, movies, it doesn't matter where you go. Somebody's going to say God's name in vain. They don't even believe in God. And yet they'll use His name in vain. You hear it so constantly and you go, oh my. It hurts. It actually hurts my, my ears when I hear people cursing and using my God's name in vain. Can you imagine somebody going around saying, by Dennis, I'm going to do that. What are you using my name in that for? Right? 
Well, that would be one way, and 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 there are many other ways that could happen. We could spend a whole message on that. But he's talking about reverence. Um, we need to be careful with our language. And it starts with who God is and what His character is and who He is to us. And not ever using that language that the world so often uses that doesn't even believe in Him. Atheists uses the word God. And they'll put the word damn along with it. And at the same time, they'll say they don't even believe in God and they're asking Him to damn whatever. It doesn't make a bit of sense. And like I say, it hurts. I'm going, these people are lost. They have no clue. What they're saying is what's coming from here. They're exposing who they really are, aren't they? In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, careful. Careful how we use our language. Careful how the world can lead us on into doing things that we're thinking, okay, it wasn't okay when I was a kid to do, but now it's okay to say that word because it's been come calmed down. Mm, there's a lot of words that have happened in my lifetime that was a no-no. Matter of fact, it was one of the words that you would never hear on television. <laughs> that code has completely gone out the window. They can say any word that they want on television today, and they do. Culture that we're in today, folks, has become so coarse. Now, I'm putting this little sidelight in here. I say this is a sidelight, but it's very important. This is not what James is talking about when we say swearing here or cursing. But I'm putting it in just for a moment to help remind us. Don't be led by what the world is doing. It was not good then, but now it's okay to use this word. So we as Christians can use it too. We're so coarse. And all you have to do is look at the presidential debates. Are you kidding me? Never ever were people who were running for presidents using the terminology and the way they're doing it like is happening now. I can't, it's almost, I can't believe they just said that. This guy's running for president and he said that word or how he said it, what he said. It's so coarse. And I think there are some commentators mentioning that. Yeah, that they're saying that, but the, but that's where our culture is at. It's really, I don't think people are really offended by it because they continue to support that kind of behavior. The shock has even gone out of some of those words. There's no Christians aren't even perturbed about it. We don't want to have coarse speech. Don't adapt what's happening there, guys. We should keep our speech clean. Do not contradict our profession by what we say. All it does is make confusion. The world we live in. Oh, my. Well, with all that being said, it really wasn't in our context. But I drew it in there because we would say, oh, isn't this talking about cursing and swearing using cuss words? And James is not really dealing with that. But is it okay if I took about five minutes of our time on that? And you'll see where you know what has happened in in your lifetime, and I think stuff that has happened within the last five years. Most of that stuff was only in X-rated movies. 
Then they came in R-rated movies. Now they're in PG-13. Now they're right on your TV. You can just turn on the TV. Anybody, any kid can hear that language. And it must be okay because it's coming from Hollywood. Hollywood says all the truth. These guys really have it together. You know, They are the exact opposite of the way a Christian lives. Everyday speech. James is talking about not invoking God's name in everyday speech or bringing on something that will help to make you more truthful appearing. If someone says, I swear to God that's true, you begin to wonder whether what they're saying is really true. That's like, why do you have to swear to God if what you're saying is true? Your your word should be true without needing to make any kind of deal about it. You just say it. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Every day later. But the Bible says that we're to swear oaths. The Bible says that. You see, you have another guy over here. This is what the Bible says. You've got one guy saying, hey, never take oaths. You can't do that under any circumstance. Another guy says, yeah, the Bible says we are to go around swearing and taking oaths all the time. It's okay. It's biblical. <laughs> there are certain occasions when it is proper to take an oath. So we're not going to extremes here. I'm not doing a George Fox on you. That's one of the guys I quoted earlier. Minnell Simmons. What's the, what's the Bible say? Uh, so I disagree with those who prohibit taking an oath in a court of law. Anybody that would say that. I, th- I think it's, it's a thing that's... I think it's great that they're still bringing in the Bible. I've got a feeling in some places they're probably bringing in the Quran if they so happen to want to have. Are we right on that, Cindy? You're shaking your head. Probably some of you might have heard of this, though. I mean, and I wouldn't. I won't be surprised when I hear that. Deuteronomy chapter ten, verse twenty. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve Him and cling to Him. Yes, yes. And then it says, and you shall swear by His name. Now, you could take somebody that really wants to destroy Scripture and they can say, I can tell you why the Bible's wrong. Look at this. Here it says, don't swear. And then here in Deuteronomy, it says to swear by God's name. What is going on? You go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Well, surely it must mean something else. Right? I mean, sometimes they can bring these things. I mean, they study where there are seemingly errors and there is no errors in the Bible. We already know that. But we want to be ready for whenever they hit us with certain things like that. And if you know the Bible and you read it from cover to cover, you say, well, we have to really take context here. But just to support that thought for another moment, we, we were in the law. Where else should we go? To the prophets. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 16. Jeremiah is a prophet. And you know what? He's, he's going to say that we're to swear and take oaths. <laughs> James says, don't swear. And you know what? I'm going to say they never contradict themselves. Jeremiah 12.16 That's what I had to say to myself there, Mike. Okay, here we go. Then if they will really learn the ways of my people to swear by my name, 
as the Lord lives, even as they taught my people to swear by Baal, they will be built up in the midst of my people. If they will not listen, then I will uproot that nation, uproot and destroy it, declares the Lord. Um, uh, the people they were to come in, they were to swear by God's name. Not by Baal's name anymore, but by God's name. Matthew 26, 63. I think this is where Jesus is in court. You remember when Jesus actually was on trial about like six times? In Matthew 26, we see Him. And where there's an, uh, an oath involved, the high priest, in verse 62, stood up and said to Him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? He's in court, right? But Jesus kept silent. Okay? Didn't say anything. High priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. This is in court. This is what they'd say. That you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Well, what does Jesus do? He's under oath here. What does he do? Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you, who hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. He is the Son of Man. He is who he has been saying all along. And here He's under an oath. I adjure you by the living God. You tell the truth. Jesus says it is, as you say. Jesus was under the oath. And he did. That was Jesus. In Deuteronomy, it was talking about swearing. It was talking about the true God. Even more significantly, we see Jesus there taking an oath. God sometimes swears by Himself. There's no higher authority. He swears by himself. He said, Dennis, what are you what are you saying? This is kind of radical. Well, he swore to David. Remember David? He swore to David and oath. You guys remember that? One of his descendants would always sit on the throne. Go to Acts chapter two, verse thirty. <clears throat> this is where Peter is preaching. That sermon in Jerusalem after the Holy Spirit had come. 2.30 And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him, David, an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne. He swore an oath to David that in David's line there was going to be one setting there. You want to see something even more powerful? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. This is rather incredible. Hebrews 6 13. For when God made the promise to Abraham since he could swear by no one greater he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. When God says a promise, it will be done. And so having patiently waited, He obtained the promise. 
For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath giving as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of promise the unchangeableness of His purpose. This is about the attributes of God here, isn't it? Interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. That goes well along with our message today. That God cannot lie. We who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast and one which enters within the veil. The promise. He took an oath. The oath was by himself. There's nothing, no one higher. That means, and he didn't need to do that, but whose sake was it for? That David would really get it. When are oaths forbidden. The Bible doesn't prohibit all oaths. We have seemingly contradictory passages with what James used as he quoted Jesus, but yet we look back at the law and it says to do that. What's going on? Well, a court of law would be a good place to start with. At least they're bound by that. They still may not um, still attest to that and and what they say. But... um, when people take frivolous oaths, it loses its significance. It loses its meaning. Uh, remember King Herod when he was drunk and he swore to the daughter of Herodias that he would give her up to half his kingdom because of her dancing. And really what she wanted was the head of John the Baptist. He was willing to give up his half his kingdom and then he finds out that it's John the Baptist's head. Oh, well, I swore an oath. I have to do it. So he kills a man. Has his head cut off. That's a very frivolous, foolish oath, isn't it? How about the man in the Old Testament? Don't have enough time. Judges chapter 11, verse or 30 through 36, who just defeated the enemy and he swears to God the first thing that comes out of his house as he returns there he will offer it as a sacrifice to God and who was it that came out of the house the daughter you know what because he was so bound to that oath that's what he had to do that's foolish isn't it that's the kind of oath that he's talking yeah but I had my fingers crossed (laughs) That means they didn't mean what they said. People play games with each other. You know, we may be able to fool someone with deceptive and misleading statements, but we never deceive God, do we? It matters to God. So to sum it up, the Bible does not prohibit all oaths or vows, but it does restrict them to important occasions and not to just throw them out loosely. It should be done carefully. It should be done prayerfully, thoughtfully. If we are unable to keep our word about something, we should confess it to God, then go to that person who we made a statement to that was wrong or we thought it was going to come through but it didn't. Go and tell them and make some kind of restitution if it needs to be. Um, The real issue is truthful communication. It's essential. Uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about this, yes, yes, and no, no. If anger was the real issue of murder, okay, 
If lust was the real issue of adultery, if selfishness is the real issue of divorce, then deceit is the real issue of oaths. It's to deceive somebody. Take a note, if that be the case. We are to be truthful in, in all things. It's essential for good relationships. In a marriage, it's so important to have truth. In a business relationship, it's so important and essential to have truth. You go on in any kind of relationship. That's what you want. You want trust, right? The trust factor. We want people to see our walk is right and it's true. That we're honest. That we're sincere. That we're upright. What are easy ways to fall into deception and falsehood? Half-truths. Abraham told half-truth. He did this when he claimed Sarah was his sister. She was really his wife, but she was... But he had to go and put this forth. That he didn't emphasize that was his wife. Got him in trouble. White lies, the innocent lies that don't hurt anyone. You call in sick when you're really okay. Covering up. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, well, oh, he's not in right now. <laughs> uh, exaggeration. Stretching the truth. Stretching it out to make yourself look better. People's stories. Remember the fishing stories? The hunting stories? Go on and on. And you know the golfing stories. And you know that those people aren't telling the whole truth, nothing but the truth. They're not telling the truth. They are starting with something and they are bringing it forward to make it more interesting and to make themselves look good. That's kind of like how about a silent lie the other person uses something flattering about you and it's really it's false but you really don't speak up to correct it I kind of like that how about the evasive lie you just change the subject or conveniently dodge the truth by not answering directly but you kind of want to use wisdom sometimes we yeah probably Shining brightly in the world. It's dark. It's full of lies. Who's the father of lies? Satan. That's where it came from. Started right in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve. Did God really say? You see what He's done? He's just deceived right there. Causing them down. What's the motivation to tell this truth? And, and we're ending right here. Um, boy. Above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, temple, what, you get that right, any other oath, but your yes is to be yes, your no, no. And this is found in Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapter 5, I think it's 23, uh, in that area. Jesus said it. So that you may not fall under judgment. James does it again. He gives a motivation. And all along in chapter 5, that's what he has been doing. You know, he starts. He talks about patience and such. He says, "Yeah, but Christ is coming back, the coming of the Lord, right?" And then he uses it again. Then he even uses it on the negative side. He says, "Well, listen, if you're not, if you're not really listening to God, if you're not being obedient, you know, God is is the judge." Now, Romans eight, verse one: There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, as far as our sins are concerned, they are cast from the east, from the west. And as, if you're a Christian, you're always a Christian. Because your sins have already been taken care of. But he's talking about what we do in this life. 
And there's, we will take account for all the idle words that we've said. Jesus said that too. So even as a Christian, we won't be judged for our sins. That means a salvation or not salvation. But we're talking about our Christian walk. And there's going to be definitely, for the unbelievers that were in James's time, I think it is the ones, he's already said, don't complain against one another so that you yourselves may not be judged. There were people professing to be Christians that were not. I think the Lord's return is quite the motivation, positive motivation for a glorious return for us Christians. The unbeliever, he's saying, hey, listen, if you're lying, you're taking oaths, you're swearing, you're cursing, you will be sentenced by God to hell. James is, is that abrupt with this. It, it's a warning about hell and it's very strong. Uh, Cresus is the word there. Um, lack of mercy reveals an unregenerate heart. Um, judgment, unbeliever, even for the believer, God looks into our hearts. He shows us. We close with this. Truth is at a premium. It's the most important thing that we have. If you're a Christian, you have truth. It's yours. The lost world needs it. Don't follow their signals. Follow the signals of this Word of God that's living. It's the most precious commodity that we have. Let it dominate and control our lives. The truth. Amen? Let's live it. Let's pray. Father, You are the great, awesome God. The majestic God. The holy God. And the God who wants us to live right, not to take fun from us, but that it would give us an abundant life full of meaning and understanding. Knowing the ways of God. Jesus said, Thy Word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Help us to be more concerned about truth than ever before. And that all of our statements would be something that would honor You and Your truth. Help us not to be deceiving, Lord, even when, even in our minds, some deceiving thoughts can come up and just making up. And it's like, where did that come from? Lord, we know it's a battle. It's a war. We're still in these flesh, fleshly bodies. And at the same time, we want to be looking more like Christ. Thank you for this day of being with your people. What a grand privilege it is as we honor you together. In your Son's name, Amen. Before we go out of here, I want to give uh, give a blessing to us here. We all need a blessing. I'll take every blessing that I can get, right? And I do want to mention, and I know that um, Luke is, is battling uh, the same stuff that I have dealt with, and many of you have, and he's probably having a little bit of difficulty talking, but if you want to add anything. There is a tour that I, I would be glad to show you, or Luke would probably better be able to do it, uh, like I said earlier, there's some posters in there. There are scriptural prayer is where it's at. Because if you're praying the scriptures, you will not pray anything wrong. You're praying what God wants. And in there, there are four different posters, something you can read and write on, but the scriptures are there. And the prayer that we're going to have is now going to change a bit. 
If you want to come in there, but just before you come in, and let's say you have 60 seconds to pop in, pop in, look at one of those verses, read it to God, or put it in your mind, say, that's the verse I'm going to memorize for the rest of the day. Come back on in here. Or if you want to spend minutes in there, you want to spend a half hour, you want to spend an hour. There are verses enough to spend a long time in there or week after week just to check in. What I'm asking is would you guys help us bring more power into this church. Because I have heard that there's power in prayer. So if we can establish this as um, something that can help us, uh, I'm asking you to to, to check it out. Let's see what happens, please. Um, I think the power of prayer, if we can see something happen before our eyes as time goes on, and even if you don't, it's okay. But when you're praying the Scriptures you are putting Him up as high as you possibly can. When you come in here, can you imagine if everybody has the same kind of thoughts? And it shouldn't take away from our fellowship time because it's really hard and usually when 12 o'clock comes a little bit after, most of us are out of here. Some still around, but most of the time, you know, we have other things we've got to do and boom, we go and we don't want to miss our fellowship. But uh, it's uh, it's not prayers that are even said out loud. They are prayers that you just say between you and God. You read the Scripture and say, well, that gets me fit off today. I need two verses today. Boy, I need another verse. (laughs) Or I need this one verse and I'm going to think on it the rest of the day. I'm going to memorize this. Meditate. Um, Luke, is there anything that I have left off there? It's just, uh, I want want you to know that this is the design of God. This is not me. This is not what I have come up with. This is His. I was going to quit. I was going to quit the prayer room. And then God moved on my heart and says, no, you're not either. <laughs> and uh, and I, I said, well, no, 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 no. And, and uh, so his design was this. And see, I, I, I do this. I do pray. 